You're listening to the Mind Your Business Podcast, episode number 180. Today, we're talking about how to find happiness. So, stay tuned. Hi, I'm James Wedmore, and I've built a multiple seven-figure internet business that offers the financial freedom to do what I want, when I want. And I'm the first to say that hard work and hustle are not essential ingredients for your success. So how do you build a thriving business from the inside out? Now with over 1.2 million downloads, this is the Mind Your Business Podcast. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? James Wedmore here, and thank you so much for tuning into another episode of the Mind Your Business Podcast. I'm your host, James Wedmore. If this is your first time tuning in, welcome to the show where we talk about the inner mental and emotional game of what it takes to truly be an entrepreneur and create success from the inside out. And so, you know, today would just be a perfect topic that really aligns with what we do here. And that's the topic about how to be happy. Now, I'm no happiness expert but I feel like I'm relatively happy all the time. My my wife says, Chelsea says all the time, she's like, you like never get unhinged. <laughs> and then like the most random thing, like can't open a, like a ketchup bottle or something. <laughs> I start getting frustrated. But generally she's like, You're, you really don't ever get unhinged. So we're going to talk about that today. And boy, that might be a pretty relevant topic because you know, I think if we take a deep dive look at a lot of the things that you want to do, a lot of the things that you're trying to do, your goals, your your vision, and if I started to ask you why, would one of the big reasons be because it'll make you happy or you think it'll bring you happiness or a deeper level of happiness or provide an experience so that you can feel happiness or joy or elation or some really nice, bubbly, positive, good feeling emotion? I don't know, maybe. Side note, upcoming on the podcast, we're going to have an exciting interview that's scheduled that hasn't happened yet from the author, Robert Shenfield. And I'm really excited about that because he actually wrote an entire book on happiness. He has a very amazing take on it. And so I will definitely leave that conversation and that episode for him. So make sure to stay subscribed on iTunes and keep an eye out for that one because I think it's going to be a pretty epic one. So... The reason I wanted to talk about happiness today on this episode is because for those of you guys who have been following me on Instagram, you have, oh, thank you. You'll know that I was in Africa for about two weeks. And that's pretty amazing that I could even like do stories in Africa. That was actually in and of itself a really fascinating story. Just that like I'm in rural Nairobi where there's like no electricity but I've got cell service. Like that was a miracle. Like 4G wireless internet on my phone, like rocking and rolling. So that was pretty cool. So yes, if you didn't know, I'll take you to the beginning. My good buddy who's been on the show twice, Mr. Stu McLaren, founder of Tribe, runs an organization with his wife, Amy, called Village Impact. And what Village Impact does is helps with communities in in Africa and most specifically right now in Kenya that have been displaced. And there's a whole like tragic story there that we were, that was shared with us where I think it was back around 2008, 
there was a political election that went sideways and basically like half the people revolted against the other half of the people and there was like killings and you know just murders and looting and terrorizing and so the government came in and basically said hey you got to leave you either leave or you, you could get murdered and so thousands and thousands and thousands of people and their entire families were just uprooted and the government gave them some like temporary land out in the middle of nowhere and said figure it out and so for the past eight to ten years Stu and amy have been doing this incredible work of helping to rebuild these villages and work with these communities from the ground up and where they start and where they focus on is the building of schools and the reason they do that is because a couple reasons but a big one is around the children you know there is absolutely in the community there's like this positive focus on everyone's about the kids and you know protecting the kids and giving them what they need and what they want and there is really this like solid foundation that's formed around the community when they see an actual solid structure of a school built and i mean these are families that are still living in mud huts and we got to tour a lot of the homes and you know you can just imagine five to six kids living in a small mud hut you know like on the dirt but here's these buildings, and I believe they've now built 12 schools in the past eight years or so, which is pretty amazing. And so we got to visit and go on a donor's trip to a school, one of the newest schools that was built, that just opened in January. That's basically why we were there, and it was just such an incredible experience. And I think you guys saw a lot of my stories. There was a lot of amazing feedback and comments and stuff, so thank you guys who wrote in. And why I wanted to really do this episode is I kind of wanted to share a little bit of that experience, which, you know, always it's going to give you a perspective. It's going to give you a new perspective, even just the difference between like supporting a charity and giving money, but to something that's like on the other side of the world. I mean, just to get to Africa is such a trip. Like, holy cow, it's like 24 hours of traveling, but it's like something that's so removed versus being there. And like basically living with the families because we had, you know, we had tents like right next door to their, you know, where they live. We weren't staying in some like fancy hotel, like we were living on their land. It's such a different perspective, right? Like such a deeper level of seeing the work you're doing and how you're helping and whatnot. So obviously it's going to offer up a unique perspective. So that experience is something I want to talk about today. And it's, it's obviously what's inspired this episode on, on this emotion of happiness. You know, the first thing is I'll kind of share like one of the first impressions is we're turning off the road. We've been driving for three and a half hours. You know, we get in late. We've been traveling for like a long time, two very, very long flights. You get in, all of a sudden you're in Nairobi there's a driver there. He takes you to your hotel. It's late at night and you go to sleep and we wake up early the next morning. It's like, we're ready to go. It's like 6am. Let's do this. And we're driving for about three or four hours, you know, going further out of the city and into the, you know, the rural area outside of Nairobi. And all of a sudden we turn off road. And when we turn off the road, there's like half the village there on the road and they're dancing and they're singing and they're just like welcoming us. And we get out of the car and we start walking and dancing with them. And there's actually, I got it on video. One of the moms gave Chelsea, my wife, one of the drums. And she's sitting there like, as we're all walking down this, this dirt road together, banging this drum, yeah, which is just amazing. So awesome, like first experience, right? 
but you know, this is my first time there. This is my first time experiencing this. And you start noticing things. And then I'm noticing myself noticing things, you know, getting a little meta here on you, but you notice like there's kids sitting there holding your hands and walking with you and playing with you as you're walking towards the village and you're on this rocky dirt road and you look down and half the kids don't even have shoes on. They're living barefoot. Now, side note, I pretty much live barefoot too at the beach. Maybe I'll wear sandals, but even right now I'm barefoot. But that's by choice, not like, cause I just don't have shoes, can't afford shoes, et cetera, you know, and they're, you know, in tattered clothes and they're, they're dirty. And you know, the first impression is you begin judging. And then I started to notice myself judging, you know, you're judging like not having shoes as wrong or bad, right? Like someone doesn't have shoes and you then make a judgment about that. You know, maybe it's a judgment of pity or sadness or this is wrong or unjust or some, this has got to be fixed or I got to help or whatever. And so then I just started to notice that and even question it. Like who, who am I to say that having shoes is the right thing? You know, we weren't born with shoes, you know, hundreds of years ago. I don't think anybody really had shoes. Maybe it was thousands of years ago. Who knows when the shoe was actually invented, <laughs> right? But a lot of people long ago probably lived their entire lives with nothing, under their feet, right? And so I just, first off, I was noticing judgments and then I was beginning to just like not have any judgment, which is not easy. Like, cause a lot of people shared their first experience there of just like a lot of anger, like a lot of injustice, like this is not fair. Like, why is this happening, etc. And you know, those emotions do come up for you. But the thing that I think everyone takes away and myself included is how happy these kids are, you know? Obviously, soccer or football is something big in a continent like Africa and Kenya. Well, they don't have a soccer ball. They have like pieces of trash and garbage somehow like wrapped and tied together that they use. And that's their soccer ball, right? You have, I mean, I have images still and memories in my mind of a little girl that has her pencil that she's probably held in her hand and it's like all the way down and it's only like an inch long, you know, but it's, that's her pencil and that's what she's got and it's the only pencil she has and so she doesn't let even let go of it it's like the school day is over and she's still holding on to this pencil at her home you know and they're so happy and not only were they so happy but they showed us so much unconditional love like here we are we don't speak their language they didn't know that much english and there was just this like love and connection there with all these kids. They were so happy to see us. They were so happy to play with us. I mean, imagine you're just walking down the street or a dirt road and a kid just runs up to you and just holds your hand. Like a six, seven year old kid just grabs your hand and just walks with you. Now that doesn't happen in your town, does it? Maybe your kids do that, but not a complete stranger. That's, that would be very rare. That happened all day every day, you know, and because I'm just a huge goofball kid, I was just playing with them the whole day and every day. And that was extremely fun. But I also noticed that they weren't just, it wasn't like a, like then, you know, there is a part of your like judgmental skeptical, like, wait a second, are they just like doing this because they want us to give more money? Like, is there a catch here? Is it genuine? You know, you're just asking those questions just come up because it's so foreign. It really is like you don't, if you've never experienced 360 kids at once, like wanting to give you like love and play with you and to have no judgment. And like, that's a pretty unique experience. But I would notice that 
they would treat each other that way as well. I would see things like a kid had a little jacket on and another kid noticed that one of the buttons was not buttoned up and he'd just go up and he would button the kid's jacket for him. And, you know, one kid would fall down and two kids would help him up and they'd play games like, I love my friend, I love my friend, here's what I love about my friend. You know, like, those are the type of games they would play with each other. And so that's what really inspired this episode is because, you know, one of the observations I had is like, everyone there just had this profound experience. All the donors that came just had this profound experience. And, you know, I feel like we came because we felt a need to help, a desire to be of service and make a difference. But I think they, and so what we did, we provided money, okay, and like some manual labor. But I think what they gave each of us far outweighed what we did for them. I think we don't get back home what they gave us. It is not every day that complete strangers are just sharing and showing unconditional love. And it's not just the kids. I mean, it was the parents, it was the teachers, the whole community. And so that was really fascinating. And then you really just start to look at, you know, wow. And you, you've heard it. It becomes kind of cliche, but how can people that have so little be so happy and give so much unconditional love? And then of course, where my mind starts to go is questioning, like, you know, contrasting, this to back home where we're so concerned with the latest iPhone update or gadget and toy and movie and whatever and how unhappy we are. Not us here listening, but like as a culture in in America, how angry we are. I mean, just go into Facebook for three minutes and see how offended everybody is and how angry and how complainy everyone gets. You know, I about the littlest stupid stuff and you just start, (laughs) you start wondering because it's fascinating. It's like you're there and a part of you wants to be like, we know best, like, right? Like we're going to get you shoes and we want to give you more technology and better homes and oh, we got to get you electricity and like all these things. It's like, wait a second, (laughs) do we really know what's best for somebody else when they're the ones that's happy and like just like so united in this community and we're the ones that are so like divided and miserable but we have the nice homes and cars and all that stuff right and that really just gets you starting to think and you look at all the things that you want in your life whether it's a physical thing or a trip an experience or a goal in your business and if I asked you why do you want that chances are at some point in time, if I just say, what will that give you? Or why would you like that? You're going to land on so I can be happy. So have we been sold this lie, this idea that all these things will make us happy? Once we have this, then we will be happy because when you just have immerse yourself in an environment where there's so much evidence of an entirely new level of happiness with people that don't have anything and will never like they really won't like have like in their lifetime the type of things that we crave you know i don't see them having like you know like yeah private jet not that i want a private jet but you know what i mean like the things that you see on instagram and stuff you know where did we all go so wrong you know so if an entire 
community of people can truly genuinely be happy all day, every day, can find joy with a pencil or a ball of trash and can be like overwhelmingly consumed with gratitude that they just have four plaster walls to call a school, you know, or, or brick walls. Can't we be happy now? And so that's kind of what I wanted to play around with in today's episode with you and just have a discussion, a conversation around this idea of happiness. I love talking to Jim Fortin, who's been a regular guest on the, on the podcast. And what he says is happiness is a default setting, right? It's the factory setting. You come out of the box being happy. And ain't that the truth? I definitely see evidence of that. I, I look at my, when my nephew was even just a year old. And if, as long as he wasn't like pooping or hungry or tired, he was laughing he was happy. He was smiling, right? Default factory setting. But how much, I mean, just even like listening to this episode, are you listening to this episode because it's titled how to be happy, like how to do something. Like if I said how to breathe, if I did an episode on how to breathe air, would you be that like motivated to go listen to that episode? No, cause you know how to breathe, but how to be happy. I mean, I mean like how many times that must be Googled. In fact, you go to YouTube, you search how to be happy and the top video has 2 million views, half a million views, 71,000 views, right? People are searching for the answer and they're coming from a place like as if they don't know, but we all know because we all have had moments where we're happy. We can all think of a time in our lives when we felt extremely happy. It's a choice, right? And I believe it's a choice based on what we choose to focus on. You can just read the news all day and all the tragic things that do happen and all the wars and the fighting and the political stuff. And that's going to be really hard to stay happy. You're not going to feel happy. I mean, that's, you could, you could like develop such a level of like emotional detachment and resilience that you are happy despite reading all the miserable things. Or you could just spend more of your time focusing your attention on positive things. All right. And then, of course, if you listen to Abraham Hicks at all, they, they use this analogy that I've always loved, which is this idea of like the cork bobbling up to the top of the water and says, you know, the cork's natural tendency, what it's like natural function is, is to float. Right. And so if that's the case, and then we couple that with what Jim said about happiness being a default setting, you know, I really think it's safe to say that it's our natural tendency to be happy as well. And so if the cork's natural tendency is to float, what would prevent it from floating? Something would have to be intentionally holding it down, right? Something, it would have to be held on deep down below the surface. There would have to be a, an effort pushed against it to counteract the buoyancy, the natural buoyancy that the cork has. Right. And so that's my question to you. If you're here because you're like, oh, yes, I would like to learn how to be happy. Or maybe you're just a regular listener and you're listening to all my thoughts and musings. The question then is not how to be happy. How should I be happy? But perhaps it's maybe what am I holding on to? What are you holding on to that is not allowing your cork 
to float. What are you still angry about? Where is their resentment? You know, when I hear people say things like, well, it's, this is wrong. This is about principle, right? These are things that have happened in our past. Things that, you know, you don't need to condone. Things that you don't need to approve of. Things that maybe hurt you or others. But what good is it doing to us to continue to hold on to that as anger, as resentment, as judgments about another, about people in general, right? And carrying that with us today and tomorrow and the next day, that eats you up inside more than you realize. And how could you be happy if you're holding so tightly onto that anger and resentment? You can't, right? And so we've talked about forgiveness in the past. There's a fantastic episode, episode 126 with my buddy Chris Vondermaiden. We'll link that up in the show notes. Really short episode on a fantastic exercise that you can give as a gift to yourself on forgiveness. Now, forgiveness is not, well, the simple version, it's not for someone else. It's for you. It's the, the way we want to look at forgiveness is it's releasing resentment, releasing anger. And you know by now, if you're a regular listener, what is inside of you as an emotion, as a feeling, will be projected into your reality as what you put out into the world. What world and reality are you creating for yourself today, tomorrow, and the next day from a place of being angry, from a place of resentment? How is it serving you to hold on to this, this need to be right and this need to make somebody else wrong because they did something in the past or they don't agree with you, right? I've always found that a really funny comical thing is that this idea, this belief that we get trapped in that everyone needs to think the same way and that same way needs to be the way you think. (laughs) We all need to have the same opinion as you. We all need to think like you, otherwise you're angry, (laughs) you're upset, right? Forgiveness is a gift for you. It's a process and an experience of releasing the inner anger and resentment and looking for the good, looking for love, looking for compassion and non-judgment. And I think that's an opportunity to get back to happiness. So how to be happy, in my opinion, is not this thing that we go out and do and learn, like how to ride a bike. I think happiness is, it's almost like it's there. It's just buried underneath the anger and the things that we hold on to from our past. And when we begin to let those things go, happiness, that default setting is there all along underneath it. 
So it might be hard to be this self-aware and to be this coachable, but can you look in your life? Is there someone or something that you feel angry about still? You know, you're, there's still some unfinished unsettledness there. Like you can't even be in the room with this person. If that's the case, if there's anger there at all, I would absolutely encourage you to go listen to that episode. It's a very simple exercise you do on your own and really powerful. And we'll link that up in the show notes. And that's with Chris Bonnermaiden on, on how to uh, forgive anyone, including yourself, by the way. What I did not mention is when that resentment and anger is directed towards you. Are you angry at yourself for a mistake you made, a choice you didn't make, just who you are or who you aren't? And can we begin to forgive ourselves as well? All right, let me ask another question here about how to be happy. Can you look to things outside yourself that you have given power to? Things like money, things like success, status, a following, reach, authority, car, house, certain types of friends, experiences that you've given this power to that you are telling yourself the story that having this or experiencing this is what will make you happy. Is that that's when you'll be happy or that's when you'll finally feel a certain way. This is how most people live. This is how I used to live and it's backwards. And it's a really slippery slope, right? Because when you find out that it doesn't make you happy, you go and spend all your time chasing that thing and then it comes and you feel empty inside. You feel completely unfulfilled. That's, you know, if you listen to the episode on my story and I had this big successful launch for the first time ever and I was like completely empty and depressed for like two months straight. And that's because I had put so much meaning on how I was going to feel and who I was going to become as a result of this and that just wasn't true and that's something to look at when I do this thing when I make this money when I finally have this when I create this or accomplish that then what then I'll be happy and if that's the case we want to let go of that because that again it's a trap it's an illusion it's a very slippery slope and we want to reverse that how can we begin to be happy now despite that this is this idea of detachment Attachment is putting this meaning about who you are or who you'll be and how you'll feel when you have this thing that you need to have. Otherwise, if you don't, then it means this about you. And detachment means you're good, you're happy, you're enough, you're worthy, whether you get it or not, whether you do it or not. So are you putting your happiness attached to this external thing in your life? Because nothing will make you happy. Nothing will make you angry. That's why I always laugh when I hear people saying, this is so offensive. You've offended me, right? You see those posts on Facebook all the time, how offended people are. And it's like, is it really that easy for someone else to control your emotional state? No one can offend you. No one can make you feel a certain way. You are always always in control of your emotional state. That's why they're your emotions. Now I know it doesn't feel like that. <laughs> I totally get that. 
<laughs> it doesn't feel like that. But don't ever give your power of how you feel to somebody else. And absolutely don't give that power to some goal, some amount of money or some status because it may not come. <laughs> but if it does, you still won't feel happy. So these were my thoughts. My ideas, it's been going through my mind a little bit lately on this conversation, this topic of, of happiness. Just such a fantastic experience and new perspective being brought to light by experiencing these happy just kids with giant smiles on their faces playing and just giving this unconditional love and having so little. And when you realize like, why can't we do that? And the truth is we absolutely can. It's cool too. This trip was, you know, we travel a lot, Chelsea and I, and this is probably the first trip in a long time, if ever, where we're like, okay, when are we coming back? You know, and it's, we're not coming back to go on some cool tourist attraction or do some exciting adventure. It's like, no, when do we come back to, you know, work with this community again? And that's pretty amazing considering this is the most travel I've ever done. Like I've never traveled this far for anywhere in my life, you know, and sometimes just getting on a plane for two hours can be like, ugh. but you know, it was so worth it for us to travel halfway across the world for this experience. So if you guys want to learn more about village impact and the work that Stu and Amy is doing, we'll also link up their website below. Make sure to follow them on Instagram as well. So you can just stay up to date with all the amazing work that they are doing. So proud of them and happy for them and grateful for the work they're doing and just like the fact that they can create an experience where they can bring donors right to the events, like right to what's happening, you know, in real time. So thanks guys. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening. I'll see you all next time on the mind your business podcast. Take care. Did you know eight out of 10 businesses fail within their very first 18 months? I believe being an entrepreneur means unlearning everything that we've been taught our entire lives about what it really means to be successful, which is why I've created a brand new audio program entitled Activate. I want to show you how to think, act, and behave like the successful entrepreneur that you were meant to be so you can step into the vision that you have for your life and your business. And the best part is this program is yours absolutely free. To register right now, simply visit www.jameswedmore.com forward slash activate and we can get started right now.